If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Welcome back to Four Blades in a pub in lockdown in a house. Uh, I'm getting a bit tired of saying that. I actually can't wait to be back in the pub with you, lads. But uh, we're here again at home on Zoom and we're recording and... It's Thursday evening. It's taken four days to get over the performance against Spurs after a very optimistic win against Newcastle and a win in the Cup. We came crashing back down to earth. But I'm John and I'm looking forward to pulling the bones out of that and looking forward and answering some of your questions with Dan. Good evening, mate. Evening, everyone. Good evening, Phil. Good evening. I'm not looking forward to pulling the bones out or anything, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he had an... A, Awful experience with a fish at a young age. And Ian, uh, good evening to you. Good evening. <laughs> Can't say much more than that. <laughs> so, Dan, Sunday, in a word or a number of words, how did it make you feel? Oh, I don't know. I don't know whether I, was, whether I was angry about it or whether I was just resigned to this is just our lot for the season. And I kind of, I go in waves. So one minute I'm furious about something, the next minute... Next minute, I'm almost laughing about how bad we are at times. The stupid things that we're doing, the, the way we make out, the, the way we make life hard for ourselves. There's a certain amount of inevitability about it, I mean, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I'm not I quite think an emotional roller coaster when I'm watching you know, it's that it's that sad inevitability. I, I put I put on the group earlier. I said, and it. And it it genuinely feels that way. The, the film My Wife Hates is Clockwise by John Cleese just because you can just see everything coming a mile off and it's just painful. And actually, that's what it's like watching United this season. <laughs> that you're, you're hopeful, you see the cast, you see the premise. We've, we've had the build-up, you know, we've had the snippets last season of what it might be like. And then it's just a catalogue of mistakes, uh, accidents waiting to happen, all of which you can see a mile off. You sat there just looking at your telly going, say... And then you just end up feeling angry, frustrated, disappointed, and that's 90 minutes I won't get back. You know, it's just... You put a good comment out on before the match on, on Sunday, I thought, at the time, Phil, which was, remember, we're playing Spurs. You know, don't... This result doesn't define anything. Doesn't... You know, it... We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't. We, yes, we beat Newcastle, but actually, let's. This is a class class act team. Let's be realistic. Which I thought, you know, at the time was quite a, quite a good grounding tweet, but it still didn't feel that way. Despite, I think it was by manner, that. though, wasn't it? It is. Spurs didn't have to get out of first gear to beat us. We we gave them three goals really. Poor marking, giving the ball away twice. It, they didn't. They didn't need to beat us. We beat ourselves, and and that's the frustrating side of it. We we come up against a team that's got superstars throughout it, managed by one of the best managers the Premier League's ever seen. And they didn't have to break a sweat to beat us. And that's what gets people down, isn't it? Hey, hey we're in second gear as soon as Son missed that chance after that. They basically knew, I thought, at that point, 
we'll just keep doing this and they'll gift us an opportunity and we'll score. The manner by which Spurs approached the game after that Son chance was they just completely were able to relax and, and just do do everything to a minimum. Just what, We didn't put the centre-halves under anywhere near enough pressure. Was that Roden's first Premier League start, I want to say? If not, it was one of his first. Now, he's a very, very talented young player. But yeah, it, not many. We've had, we've had Ben Davies tucked in as a centre-back. He should, I mean, you should be putting pressure on him anyway. And it was... My mate Lee texted me at half-time and it was so cutting, but I have to agree with it. He said, I've turned that shit off. We look like we look like kids playing against blokes who were terrified, and I think that was it. Was no one showing any sort of, you know, taking the the game to the scruff of the neck? And I think that's also led to this. You know, he's a good player, but like people say, oh, Lundstrom's the only one who cares and the only one who tries. I think you're just showing a degree of commitment in his play, which is absent in so many players. And we talk about lack of energy like a physicality, basically a lot of things old Premier League teams need to have as a minimum. The defending of the first goal is absolutely criminal. And the worst thing about it, which winds me up just as much, is if that's Baldock, people are throwing him over coals. Because it's it's shocking to lose a header like that as a defender in the box. We don't get off the floor. Again, how many times recently have we lost, we've conceded a goal where a centre-half hasn't got off the floor, our, our defender hasn't got off the floor. We're just flat-footed. If you, if you concede from a set-piece and it's someone, it's a good ball in and someone like Rodon, who's six-foot-three, comes towering at the far post, sometimes you have to hold your hands up. But conceding a goal at a near-post corner to Serge Aurier, who's five-foot-seven, five-foot-eight, is scandalous. Absolutely scandalous. And whoever it was that said it summed it up. And I don't know who it was, but straight after the goal, you heard it audibly on on commentary. That's too fucking easy, and it was. And I think it was Maka who said it um, in our group chat, and I agree with him that the tone Ramsdale set with the goal kick before created a whole nervy atmosphere. You're playing against Kane and Son, who's probably the best partnership of attacking players in the league at the moment, certainly on four. And I think that just, just... I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I missed the first five minutes because I thought we were still kicking off at five past two. I didn't realise it had been changed back. I mean, so. what were that all about as well, Phil? Not you missing the first five minutes, the ridiculousness of the time changes a few times. Absolutely bonkers. But the first goal infuriated me. The second goal enraged me because it's just... I mean, in fairness, we did actually kick off at five past two as well. But the we, problem is we kicked off at two and five past two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the second goal, like people have been saying it was like one of the worst performances they've seen in a, from someone in a blade shirt from Norwood. It was pretty bad, yeah. Um, but that first goal, what, it, what, the, what the second goal, sorry, Norwood's first mistake, because he did the same thing almost, is it's a silly decision to smack the ball into him by Bogle in the first place and things that happen after. But Norwood was playing like the bloke who would who turn up on a Sunday morning, burp, smell a Stella and go, oh yeah, I went back to this girl's house and didn't get into our five this morning. Sorry, lads, I'm going to be a bit rubbish today. Completely playing like he, the game was passing him by. And it's just not good enough, is it? 
I wonder. I thought this. I thought this before kickoff. Whether playing Norwood in that game was the wrong decision, and it's obviously you shouldn't change a winning team and all that sort of rhetoric that people say. Newcastle let us have the ball, and that's when Norwood looks good. Spurs were always going to press us back. They were always going to put more pressure on the midfield. They were always going to try and push us back further. In hindsight, clearly it was probably a bad decision in playing, but he was never going to have that time on the ball like he did against Newcastle. And that's what cost us the goals because he wants the time and he hasn't got it. And the, the other thing is he'd already done that a few minutes earlier in the game. He'd lost the ball, wasn't quick enough to get back and got booked for it. Had he not done that, you would have imagined that when he lost the ball then, he would have committed the same foul, but he put himself in a position where if he makes the foul, then he's off. We're down to 10 men after 20 minutes. But the, it, it, it comes back again to a catalogue of things happening. So Norwood, Norwood to me, was to blame for the goal. Yeah. But Basham then comes rushing out with a, a rush of blood and, and runs almost straight past it. Arguably... Ramsdale's positioning is not great, although I can let him off a little bit because you're not expecting to roll the ball out on the edge of your box and then three seconds later it'd be in the back of your own net. So I can kind of let that off, but it's kind of a catalogue of things just mounting up into being a poor, poor goal. I mean, Harry Kane scores goals like that for fun, doesn't he? But we could have stopped it. We could have avoided it. And obviously... We're, we're turning in. We've had players... We've had players play for us and we've obviously had players play against us where you've said, he'll give you a chance. He's got one in him. We're now a team who teams will be saying they've got one in them. They'll give you a chance. And they know if they press us and they harry us for long enough and keep us, keep us in our, our own third for long enough, we will make mistakes that will lead to them, lead to them having chances. Mm-hmm. That's you just go, endemic throughout the team. You could go down, even the better performers this season, you could go down the, the list and, and say what you do to deal with them. So even someone like McGoldrick, who's barely put a foot wrong and scored a great goal in that game, really good header, or whatever part of his body it hit. But with McGoldrick, you're like, well, let him have the ball in areas he's comfortable in, as long as it's not the 18-yard box. And he'll run himself around and run himself down a, a dead end because his teammates don't move enough, for example. We all know Egan's weakness is that one over the top. And then after that, I'm struggling for players who've consistently done anything for us this season who played on Sunday. So it's really hard, but it'd be too easy, sorry, to go through. It it was just very disappointing and even more disappointing when we get that goal and we were slightly better second half. We then just, we got the goal and then what went on for Ndombele's goal? Yeah, obviously it's a very cute goal and a very good finish if you... It's a fluke. Ross. And the worst thing about that after that, that was us. Tyres were flat and there were no attempt to do anything after that. And when we're bringing Keane Bryan on in the Premier League, you've just got to wonder, and we're going to come to this later on. But he had to bring Bryan on because of Norwood's performance. Oh, I know. But regardless of it being a necessity, Phil, the fact that we're bringing on a player with his level in the top flat is terrifying. And we're going to look at that in depth in a bit, aren't we, boys? But, but yeah, I was going to say just a question on that then, because we, we're saying here, well, there's no other option off that bench that day. Where's Rodwell? And I'm not saying Rodwell's the answer, by the way, but we've obviously signed Rodwell with a view to him being there as backup for midfield defence. Where is he? I think he's yeah. been injured. I saw something last week that said he's been injured. Nothing no, serious, say that. But just enough to keep him out for a couple but, of weeks, I think. But, but I then, thought, like, I thought he must have had COVID when he wasn't named on the bench. 
Yeah. It's not even been one of those because it's it's been a good couple of months now where you've been able to have nine, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, John, I still think there's been times where Wilder's only had seven on the bench as a fuck you to the board almost. That time of year, isn't it? He kind of, it, it, it's like his annual message to the board, isn't it? But, I mean, I don't know about you lot, but I don't really have much more to say on the Spurs game. I'd rather look forward and, and try and cheer myself up and the listeners up a little bit because it's in the past now. I don't know what you three think. Yeah, draw a line under yeah. it, move on. Yeah, it's wash, rinse, repeat, in it? So, yeah, draw a line under it. Trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being cleaned. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. Fe- fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That says buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me someone who's got a bit of a trader for headship. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www.glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them round yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel, and smell like new. And it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their Insta again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. So, uh, welcome back to part two. Um, hopefully, we've got a game coming up that we should get a little bit more joy out of than than some of the big boys against that we've been playing against in the Premier League. So, we've got Plymouth coming uh, coming to Bramall Lane in the FA Cup. Gives us a chance to get through to the next round and, and maybe start a little bit of confidence sparks again. We won, obviously, our next game after last time we won in the Cup. So, what do we think this weekend? John? Uh, I think it's obviously an opportunity to progress. Uh, obviously, as well, an opportunity to get one over Ryan Lowe. Um, Wednesday's uh, multi-scoring signing they made in that League One season and they all thought they'd signed their R9. But no, in all seriousness, yeah, I think we would. It's an interesting one because I feel like, despite it not being a bit rocky against Bristol... I do think that laid the foundations for the Newcastle win by just having that belief of getting something done. And obviously, Burke did a bit in that. And a few other players like actually flight passed the ball forward, passed the ball, uh, which was a novelty as well. And I think it's an opportunity for more of that. Uh, we haven't got the squad for wholesale changes. Um, and, well, we presume so. And I think it is an opportunity to gain some momentum. The only thing is you're getting momentum to run into a really, really, really um, enforced wall that's covered in other sharp objects in the form of the two Manchester clubs afterwards. But it is an opportunity, nevertheless, to get some momentum. Yeah, I think... Go on, I was going to say, I've got a question on the back of that, which 
correct. Yeah, I always think you should go into every game wanting to win. You know, I've heard people say, "Oh, we could do with not being in the cup." No, go out, play a team, win, win the game. Do we want a cup run this season, though? Yeah. Do I, do I do I really want us to have a successful cup run when we can't be part of it? And that's what that's the other side. Well, I, I don't think any of us are particularly longing for those 8,000 people attending against lower league opposition at Bramall Lane where we're all not sat in a seat and you sat next to someone whose leg comes over too far to yours. And unless it, you sat with Dan and we're behind Andy Taylor, Lego Ed, because that was absolutely brilliant last season. No, but I mean, like I say, if a win, a win this time and then a winnable next round game, you're then into is it quarters after that. So, you know, and yeah. that's what I mean. And that that's the thing. As much as I want us to win, I've got this kind of thing saying. And it was the same last season. Obviously, when the Arsenal game came around, I thought it was winnable on the run we were in at home at the time. Um, you know, where could that take us to? And I'm just kind of a little bit... I want, I want us to go and win on, on, on Saturday, obviously, because I think it's important for us as a club and as, for the set of players at the minute. But, we would have won that game though, Ian, if it wasn't for COVID, because the yeah. Arsenal we were in before lockdown was atrocious, and we was high. Mm. We would have won, and we we nearly got a result in that game in the end. Anyway, yeah. we switched off at the end, didn't we? When Henderson came rushing out and Sabayos scored a thing, but I I'm not against a cup run, um, but we won't have one of now. Let's just win the next two games and then lose gracefully one nil to Chelsea or something away, and that'll be fine. At least we'll have won a few games in the season, and that's that's the thing for me. The confidence side of it. If we mm. if we were to win and have a decent performance Saturday, hopefully that gives us a little bit of confidence going into like John says, two really difficult games. It's for that reason I'd like us to win it and keep winning a few games. I just I think this season wins are so so precious and so few and far between. We've got to take them wherever we can. Yeah, whether that's whether that's digging in against Newcastle or whether that's, you know, beating Plymouth in the FA Cup. I don't think we can, I don't think we're in a position where we can pick and choose games we games we win and games we don't. But I do take your point, Ian, if we're going to go have a decent cup run, I'd rather be there watching it. But yeah, and I totally get that point. You know, I totally, you know, if we did somehow, you know, get to a quarter and get to a semi or, or even get to a final, the thought of United being in a cup semi-final or a final and us, you know, sitting at home watching it is... It's horrible. Well, I'm not one for breaking lockdown before in the FA Cup final. I wasn't allowed to watch it with, with my friends. I think there'd be uh, civil unrest across South Yorkshire. So, uh, for, from us all, for that matter. Um, but, in all, but in all seriousness, it is an opportunity. And you don't know, maybe... I think what he probably... What would be sensible would be to treat the game, if possible, as two halves go out and try and win the game in the first half with a couple of goals and then almost practice defending deep and hitting on the break for the second half because that's what we're going to have to do in the other games. I think it'll be really beneficial if we could have Osborne back uh, just because I, I felt really sorry for him at the weekend. He, played, he obviously not been very well or something, but he, he played himself into a bit of form, Osborne, and we all would say... The end has not had the best of times. I mean, you're not going to get a bigger end fan than me, but... He didn't do anything to stake a claim to took his shirt back permanently, did he, really? And he's probably, Dan, not fit. And I'd question... Yeah, possibly not. If he, been, if he had been fit most of the season, looking at some of the performances, I think that might be an issue for a few of them, that they've come back a bit too early at times. One of many issues for a few of them. 
but it'd be nice. One, my one wish for Saturday would be Booster to get a goal. If I could, you know, make one. I would definitely start him. I would definitely give him 90 minutes. Obviously, you know, fitness permitting, I would definitely give him 90 minutes on Saturday. Booster and uh, Booster and McGoldrick. And then if it's true that like McBurney's back available for selection, getting him 20 minutes, half an hour, is definitely something we should look to. Because the last time McBurney played really well was um, against Liverpool away in that sort of just going and just being a nuisance. And if we did have that option for one or two games against the Manchester clubs, it would be certainly one I'd, I'd think about. But um, the four Man City are in, Oli Burke, anyone's not going to get any change out of John Stones and Diaz at the minute. They look absolutely frightening. Um, but that's a story for in a few weeks when we preview that game, isn't it? So what, my question is, who would you pick as you, in your midfield? Does does Bogle? Do you bring Baldock in at right back? Put Bogle into midfield. I'd play. I'd play Baldock. I'd get Baldock some sort of game time and, and try and get him match fit for everything John's just said. We're going to be up against it for our next two games, so I'd rather have a. I'd rather have a, a match fit George Baldock, who's a better defender than a. A, a, a Bogle who we know is good going forward, but defensively he's not great. Would you put Bogle into midfielder? That's one I've seen talked about. I don't think Bogle's a midfielder. I'm just conscious of, in the past, as a Blades fan, when right-backs have become central midfielders and once I watched Darrell Westlake play there. Uh, I don't particularly want uh, one of those situations. I obviously know Bogle's... Can't be as bad as watching Ryan Flynn play central midfield once. Or right-back, if you remember. Actually, do you know what? I could have stopped that sentence as watching Ryan Flynn play full stop. Well, if you, if you that think sentence Dan's, could have ended there. You think Dan's comments about Oli Burke are harsh? <laughs> Ryan Flynn should be watching his back for if <laughs> about in uh, wherever he's playing his trade now. I believe it is north of the border again. Um, but yeah. It, the thing is, in terms of personnel in midfield, I don't think we've got a great deal of We've not got a great number of options, have we? I mean, Osborne would be an option there, but I think, you know, the way he's played recently, unless he decides to put Lowe in there because it's, you know, it's, it's low league opposition and puts um, Osborne in. Other than that, it pretty much picks itself. Nor would Fleck Lundstrom. Would it be, would it be ridiculous to play Jags to have a settled back five going into the midweek game? No, because if he gets injured, us if he gets injured, then we are absolutely up shit street, aren't we? Well, you're signing on, aren't you, Dan? If that happens, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'll be sending me, I'll be sending me uh, my World Cups round to glistening kicks for uh, for a quick to get him out at loft and get to get him dubbed up. Yeah, yeah I mean, other, if, other other side of the changing room from Ollie Burke, though. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Again, would love to see it, but uh... <laughs> I couldn't catch him. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, we can't. I mean, you've got to play Egan because he's missing Man United games. He otherwise he's missing two games, and that possibly, you know, it, it possibly has an effect on his match fitness. So you, you've got to play him, and like I say, you've possibly got to wrap Jags in cotton wool a bit because if he gets injured, then uh, we've got nothing. I try to think that's not even worth comprehending. But the fact, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because so many players have, like. Do we know where Jack Robinson is all of a sudden? 
do we know, as Ian touched on earlier about what, what's happening with Rodwell, do we know the real fitness levels of the squad players? Because under in a similar game last season, I don't know if it was the third or fourth round, we had Rodwell in at right centre-half, Jags at centre-back, and then, not sure it was Robinson, but maybe even Brian at left centre. Yeah, it was Brian. Yeah. Well, filed, weren't it? Filed in, at in home a, and that went back three, weren't it? So, you know, it's a, these changes... These changes had happened in the past. I know it's completely different now, but it just strikes me as incredibly strange how, how, how like threadbare we are. But it's just indicative like of the season, next... isn't it? Full season. Anything. What does everyone think about who should start in um, in goal? Personally, I, I would take Ramsdale out and put either Fodring or Fodring or Verrips in whoever's you know whoever's fit and available. Just, I, don't I don't see any hurt. benefit in Ramsdale playing, right? But I don't think it'd hurt anything. The thing is, there's no, there's no benefit. It's, it's not like he can guarantee keeping a clean sheet. It's not like you said it's Plymouth will definitely keep a clean sheet because obviously we conceded two against Bristol. So the the opportunity there is for for him not to not to keep a clean sheet and possibly to make a couple of errors. If he does keep a clean sheet, everyone just goes, "Well, it's Plymouth." So there's there's no real benefit to him. Oh, I guess as far as I can see. the the argument against that would be trying to get him to get through this lack of confidence he's got by having a game where he doesn't have to do much potentially. But like you said, there's no guarantees that's going to work either. So no. it's I guess it, it's down to maybe a little bit down to his mentality as well. He's he's has he got that elite kind of mentality to be able to put his mind to one side and try and get try and get himself through this. Because the only way he's going to get through it is by playing, really. And it's yeah. a funny, it's a funny one, though, isn't yeah. it? Because he, he, I would, I would agree, take him out of the firing line. Mm. But then we also said the same when we played Bristol Rovers, take him out of the firing line. And you know, I don't think we can blame him for the goals at Bristol Rovers. Again, it comes back to what we talked about in part one around awful defending of crosses to an extent. You could argue some of that might come from, you know a keeper and the, the, the defensive unit as a whole. My, my my slight concern is, I think it's easy to think of Plymouth because they were a League Two side for years. The, the mid-table, League One, they're only six points off the playoffs and I know it's tight in there and everyone's played different numbers of games and things. They've got Jeff Cut up front, young Welsh striker who's, I think, top scorer in League One. So they've got a goal scorer with confidence and form. Might just, might just cause us some problems. And I think it'd be, I'd be reluctant to to just think, you know, Bristol Rovers caused us problems. I don't think as much as the commentator at the time suggested, but you know, I think there's always a, a risk with our defence. So yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a tricky one. Even though I'm glad it's at home. If it was away, I'd probably be concerned at the minute. Thing is, if if if, it, if the roles were reversed and we were the League One side and we were going to bottom of the Premier League, Aston Villa, who'd won one game in the last 22 or whatever it is, league games, you'd be saying, we could get some here. You know, we, we, we could do something here. Get an early goal. Get them, you know, get them, get them unnerved. Obviously, you've not got the crowd, but I think we'd, I think, I think Plymouth will fancy this. They really do. Especially they, they went and won at Sunderland in the week, didn't they? I mean, the longest journey in English football, that, isn't it? Sunderland, Plymouth, maybe Carlisle, Chillingham might be a bit long, I don't know, but like, yeah, they'll be they'll be buoying. And 
and they give it. I give him a chance against us because unfortunately we we like to not only give goals away but we gift wrap them and personally address them to the uh, recipient. But um, what do we all think will happen? What's your prediction, Phil? Uh, um, probably I would say we're going to win the game. Be a bit of a difficult game. Two one United. I was going to say similar. Two one United. Three uh, one United. I'm going to be even more enthusiastic, and I think we might have a bit of a wobble. Uh, then he might change the strike force in the second half, and we have a bit. We romp home and actually win the game four-one. And I'd, I'm just praying. I'd love my ideal scenario is Brewster starts, plays really well, gets two goals, and McBurney comes off the bench and gets a couple or at least one. I think be, that's me really fantasy booking the match. But yeah, four-one. I'm, I'm confident we'll win, and I think the quality will show through in the end. That's got a bit first full house for a while, though. It's nice to have a positive <laughs> end to a, a prediction section. Positive end to the prediction for the game against oh, uh, Plymouth in League One. But yes, not nevertheless, nevertheless, it's good. Welcome back to uh, part three, everyone. And uh, in an attempt to try and find something to talk about other than uh, the match, and obviously we had a, quite a nice, short, sharp first section to tonight's pod, um, we put out a request for any questions you're answering on Twitter today. And thank you very much. You've responded wonderfully well with some well thought out and some rather ridiculous questions that we'll attempt to answer over the next few minutes. So um, kicking things off, we've got a... a a question from Mark Eggy or M underscore Eggy one who said, would you introduce the youngsters Ayari and Hackford into the first team? If not yet, how long before you would? Who wants to pick that up? I'm happy to say, I think um, it depends on the context of introducing them to the first team. If you're on about getting them first team minutes, I'd like to think we could look beyond that. Uh, and ha- actually look to first team players but where where appropriate I don't see any harm with them being on the bench and what I wouldn't want to be in a sit- situation of is where those players are um, sort of we we build them up to be a to be Diego'd and built into something that, ne- that they're not necessarily A, they are or or be capable of being before they've had a chance to actually play a bit of first team football and I think as a Premier League football club, which we still are for the time being, I would be mortally disappointed if we didn't have some academy players who did look shit hot. Uh, but, you know, Man U fans, when we signed him, were very enthusiastic about Joe Riley, who's now playing for Bradford. So I think we just need to... We need, it's great that we've got these these youngsters who are scoring goals for fun and making that transition from the under-18s to under-23s. But I, I think, you know, with, with young players, it's always should be patience. And the, the last time a youngster broke in the team and we got us off his feet, where there had been a bit of talk, 
was David Brooks. So I think it's probably worth persevering and hoping that that is what happens and we don't, unfortunately, have another Diego situation on his hands. Yeah, I think yeah, pretty much nailed how I think about it, John, to be honest. But what one thing I, I kind of would say about those two that you mentioned, so Hackford and uh, is it Ari his name? Ari, yeah. the uh, Tunisian, yeah. So that was his under-23 debut yesterday. Yeah, he's only, yeah, I was just about to say. Only 18, um, but thinking, thinking to the future, we're not going to be in the Premier League next year. Almost certainly, we're going to be in the Championship. I would be out of the two of them looking at trying to blood him into the squad sooner than Hackford. Hackford's only 16 still. Yeah. The, the one position in the club that we've got plenty of people in at the moment is forwards. Whereas we haven't got much of a creative spark anywhere throughout the club. So to have a youngster that can get you off your feet a little bit like Brooks, which is, looks like the sort of player that he is, I'd be probably thinking about him being the one to try and push forward now with next year in, in mind. That said, Wilder, I don't think, has got the best of records of bringing kids through. It's not very often that youngsters get through. And there's probably a little bit of the fact that we've gone forward that much during Wilder's time at United, that there's not been anybody that's been able to make that leap. But I don't even even before then, I don't think he's got a great record with youngsters. Even Brooks was going out on loan before he kind of put Wilder's arm up his back by his performance at the under-21 tournament for England. I, th- I think it's an interesting one because as well, I think when things aren't so great, you, you do, there's there's an air of desperation of looking to what's coming through the ranks. I think there's also social media and all the videos online. You see so much more of under-18, under-23s, but you're only seeing the goals. You're seeing the snippets. And I think, you know, it's it's like the showreels of the players we used to sign them from overseas. Oh, look on YouTube, he's brilliant. Yeah, because you picked out his five best bits out of a whole season of football. And, you know, I watched I watched the goals the other day. And let's be honest, they're against the League One under-23 side in Hull. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a difference there even at that level uh, yeah. to start with. Um, and it took, I mean, Ayari took his goals very well. Um, he had another great chance that he, he blazed, blazed over. Um so there's clearly something there, but equally, I think we've got to look at how, you know, we blood them probably outside of the club. It, I wouldn't say it'd probably be better served going out on loan for half a season, going yeah. to a, a League One or a League Two side for half a season, toughening mm-hmm. himself up, playing man's football, and then see what he's like when he comes back. That yeah. would probably be better than putting him in amongst in and amongst our first team squad and possibly damaging him. That's the other side, isn't it? Damaging the confidence playing in a team that's got no. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to. You don't want young lads' first experiences of first team football to be sat in the dressing room, getting an absolute roasting off a manager, uh, sat around players who were dejected, and that, the long term effects of that could be pretty bad. And I think we've all made really good points there. But I'll, just to finish, it's a great question, Eggie. Um, Great point to finish on. It's nice that we've got some players in the academy that generally look like there's a chance they can break into the first team, and that is a reason to be cheerful in the minute being a blind. Indeed. Yeah. Um, next question. Um, I think I'm, dare I say, Ben, Ben, you've been a bit cowardice here because you, you're asking it from the safety of the internet. He said, seriously, though, what does Dan think of Burke? I don't think we've got long enough for that, have we? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's changed much from last week. Absolutely not. No, he's wank. <laughs> Moving on. Um, next question. 
<laughs> so after Blaze Plus question, the next question came in from Sean Salmon at Sean Sal77. Uh, direct this one at Phil. Is Norwood finished? Finish? He's Northern Irish, isn't he? That's from Burnley. Here all week. But on a serious note, and to be fair, we've got another question of on a similar ilk. I'm just quickly scanning the timeline. There was another one that said, uh, came through from Jake Bellas the Blade. If Norwood can be Norwood in the championship, do we stick with him and let him do a job for us next year? Or do we look to bring in the next deep line quarterback in this summer? So a couple of connected questions there, I think, about Norwood. One one, one about right now and one is, do you, do you see a longer term view with the position we're in? So I think I can probably answer both questions in, in one, really. Is he finished? No, he's not finished. But he, he, he Dan said it last week, I think, or last time we, we, uh, we, we recorded, it's like his legs have gone. He can't get about. And for that reason, we need to be looking at replacing him sooner rather than later because he's causing us problems. Unless you play against a side like Newcastle that give you time and space and the ball, he's almost ineffective and he's causing problems as well as being ineffective. And that's a, that's a big problem. The, the, the knock-on problem with that is I know people are hoping that if we, obviously when we drop into the championship next season, we'll get the Oli Norwood of old. But the, what, the thing is championship managers are, are tactically astute. They'll see that if you get in his face, if you stand off him, he'll hurt you with 40, 50 yard balls. He'll just keep the ball ticking over. Championship managers aren't stupid. They've got the same facilities as Premier League managers have in terms of scouting and stuff like that. They'll see that if you get into Norwood's face and close him down, he can't really... He, he struggles, and that's when he gives the ball away. And the, the game's probably a bit faster, a bit more furious in the Championship. So, One of the biggest disappointments for me about Norwood's sort of the, the path that he's, that he's gone down and how quick he seems to have gone downhill is when he first came to United, all right, he, his passing was always there and obvious and, and he scored on his debut and, and all that sort of stuff. But he was really good at breaking play up around our yeah. box and in front of the back three. He was really, really good at being that sort of first line of defence, picking the ball up off the opposition and moving it on quickly. And that just seems to have gone. And I don't know whether that's a, a mobility thing or what it is, but he just, I don't know. I, I, it, it's, it's sad and, and something I put after after the game on, on Sunday to see some of the players that got us to where we were and kept us to where we are, let us down as badly as they are. is quite sad, really. I think it's unfortunate. It's a bit like a mate that you used to knock about with, but as you got older... You're still coming back from the bar with like trays of shots and wanting to. Like sometimes you just some a good thing comes to an end, and I think unfortunately with Norwood that probably has to happen for us in one way or another. And if he, <clears throat> I think we can talk about this a lot with some of the other questions, Ian. And I think we'd all probably agree. Is Sheffield United to get promoted in the 2021-22 season? The club. And the playing staff is going to need a big refresh. And part of that big refresh will be making a decision on a player like Ollie Norwood. And unfortunately, as sad as Phil says it is, I think we have to make that decision with him. Particularly in the absence of another creative midfielder, 
they're going to rely on him to be creative when he's not he's not been doing it for so long. I just don't think I just don't think think it'll work. And also like people would say, oh well to get an Hollywood Norwood uh, level player is gonna cost you however many million pounds. Fine. We'll we'll spend it, but make sure we buy the right one. And I'd I'm sure a lot of Blades fans would appreciate a younger player growing and developing with us doing that than sadly watching that person you love drift away from you or that you know that 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 may you just you're just not bothered about it anymore because he's just not the, what he used to be and I just think it, we have to, with Norwood it, it's becoming glaringly obvious that our time together is over. There's a, there's a, a kind of knock on question then from that I think which is. Which, which we, if people want to talk about Norwood a bit more, we can. But I think the question from Rich, excuse me, Rich Connolly, Rich at Rich J Connolly, who says, "Do we look to offload the experienced guard, Fleck, Norwood, Stevens, dare I say, Billy, etc., and rebuild?" It's it's a no from me. So Rich, Rich says not, but it, it kind of ties in with what we're talking about here, isn't it? You know, to allow that youngster, as John said, to come through and grow into that role. Is that what we need to do? I think to a certain degree, yes. I think um, we've probably held on to a couple of those players too long. And and you can't blame the manager for being loyal to the people that have got him there. But it will be, I think, one of Wilder's legacy mistakes for showing that loyalty to players that, that probably should have been moved on a year, 18 months ago. But is it the case I know, with some... I know it's different... Sorry, sorry. I know it's different levels... But um, Alex Ferguson was an absolute master of this and, and kind of taking fan favourites and, and stalwarts and just as he thought they were just about to peak or just about to go past the peak, sorry, moved them on. There was no sentimentality, you know, Keane, Stam, Beckham, Van Nistelrooy, they all got moved on and there was a bit of a, you know, bit of head scratching, a bit of puzzlement from the fans, but it was, it was always proved right and he had that knack of spotting when players were just... We're just topping out, basically. And I think that's it, possibly it's a learning curve for, for Tufty, I think. And in the same breath, sometimes buying players that many thought were on the scrap heap or silly signings and then proving to be amazing, such as the year that he signed Van Persie, who could barely walk. Uh, when he was at Arsenal, he was injured every two weeks and then turned him into a 20-odd goal season striker who won Man United the league that season in a similar way to, you could argue, while the has done with someone like McGoldrick but I, I think that that resilient uh, resilient ruthlessness I think has definitely been lacking and I think in the championship I think it's a young man's game and if it's not a young man's game it's a game for people who've got something to prove Playing devil's advocate is it is it the case that some of these players and you can argue the manager sees them every day and he's a professional he'd start to see when things turn but to me a few of those players, and I'm I'm thinking at the minute about Stevens, Fleck, Norwood, have gone like that. So pre-lockdown, they, they were doing nothing wrong. Stevens was having a wonderful season. Fleck was driving us forward. Norwood had the ping. Everything was right. Now you could argue there were signs post-lockdown that injuries and other things were playing the part, but those players weren't on it. And that's continued. Now, does that make it more difficult? Does the nature of what this last 12 months have been like make that decision more difficult for Wilder to make? It makes it more difficult for every other manager as well. 
who needs to improve his first team at the start of next season. Um, and there'll be a lot of clubs looking at John Fleck, Ender Stevens, Ollie Norwood, et al, and saying, God, they'd improve us. They will, but Norwood's just signed a Norwood signed a three-year contract fairly recently. Yeah. So there's no way that you know it's not that we can just you know we, we can move him on. He's going to be on decent money for, for a championship footballer. All right, I'm guessing he'll have the you know have the wage cut clause in there, um, but he'll still be. I would imagine he'll still be a reasonably paid championship footballer. Which means that clubs that are looking for him. Clubs that are looking at him, we're going to possibly end up subsidising some of his some of his wages, and that's possibly the same for a few of them. You can include Sharp in that, possibly Fleck, possibly Stevens. Not it's not going to be as easy as just moving them on and bringing replacements in. There's going to be some some juggling and some wheeling, wheeling dealing to do. I think. I think it's very it's very difficult, but as as some fans who get together and talk about this in the pub or on the internet who do this completely for free apart from the cost of a SoundCloud and Zoom membership for the year. We're not paid to make those decisions, but we, in my opinion, I think we do need to refresh lots of lots of the team. I don't want to see us attempting to play this system in the league below next season. I would love nothing more than to see more pace, more width in the attacking areas, Getting, you know, I want to see the, all the things that I liked about the system until we lost arguably Duffy and certainly post lockdown. I just want to see quick transitions and things again. And I, and one thing I would be certain of is these players, two years after they were very good at it in the championship, there might be some young pretenders in that league who, who were much better at it than them. Well, I think we can come back to this in a minute because I think there's a couple of connected questions about the look of the side for next season. So I'm just scanning up the timeline again and sorry, I've just, I've got distracted because in amongst all the uh, replies, we've got a new follower, uh, two red lips, Vicky Powell, Unicorn Rainbow, at Vicky Powell, Triple X, 18, not safe for work, model, porn star, product seller and content creator. So just forgive me a minute, I'm just disappearing on that. And and what's her question? (laughs) Didn't have one, but just gives a follow. So, you know, I'm all for that. We, 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 we don't turn anybody down who wants to follow us on Twitter. What, what's her thoughts on, on Ethan Ampadu's suitability to play left centre half? Uh, I'm just having a quick look down the timeline. Uh, she's more bothered about getting uh, votes for the uh, Adult Film Awards. Oh, so she's. she's a- good news, guys. She's just ended her slightly toxic. Oh, this is one of her friends she's retweeted who's just ended her slightly toxic relationship with a guy who's helped me smile. In fairness, if she's on about Adult Film Awards, we have played like twats on more than one occasion. <laughs> And, and it's interesting about that. It's very apt for what we are just talking about, Ian. <laughs> Somebody who did make us smile at times, but now has made us grimace in the fact <laughs> Mr. Norwood there, maybe sometimes, you know, he's, he's got to say goodbye. Yeah, good point, Jim. Um, next two questions, actually, again, very on similar theme. So we've got one from Marcus Demius-Bladius at Hernandez 10 do we even have a clear recruitment strategy in place can we ever expect to be successful with the current ex- approach do we need for example a sporting director to allow Chris and Alan to just focus on the team will this summer's business define Chris Wilder's legacy lots of questions there with a common theme um, and uh, Floody at Flood 83 I asked this a couple of months ago but feelings on recruitment since promotion surely that's what's let us down I'd be happy to go in there 
Um, I think there's something very interesting about recruitment. If you think of the January recruitment, we were all bowled over by signing players of the quality of Berger. Uh, although it didn't work out, Vestos was on paper an excellent signing. And if we'd signed him permanently, probably this season could have become a very valuable player. Zivkovic was a free hit, but the sort of player we were looking at was was continental. It was different. And you'd argue you get better value in that market in January than you do in the domestic market. But then you 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 mirror that to what we did in the summer. And it was almost like a different manager with playing players. So I would suggest it's not so much that we don't have a recruitment strategy, but I would suggest something's changed over the last seven, eight months, which has meant that, this, that there appears to not be a strategy particularly that we're set on. And one thing I wouldn't say we do have as a strategy really is a long-term strategy necessarily. Maybe with the players that came in this summer, but in terms of thinking logically about, as Dan touched on before, contract renewals and stuff, I'm not sure. And has, has recruitment been good enough since we've been promoted? Over high, over headline, probably not. But within that, there is some players who will go on to be very good players for Sheffield United. And I think for that reason, you're wrong about there being no long-term planning. I think we've thought too long, long-term about the short-term. Absolutely. I don't know if, I don't know if you saw yesterday, there was a, I saw an article on Twitter, and, and forgive me, I can't remember if it was a Star article or if it was, um, what's his name? Nathan, Nathan Hemming. Uh, but they were talking about Brewster. And, and I think Tufty, had, he'd been asked about him, and he said he was always, you know, he was always a long-term signing. He was never designed to come straight into the first team and hit the ground running. To me, if we're spending, well, I'm guessing we haven't spent 23 and a half million on him, but I'm, I'm guessing we've spent, you know, almost 20 million quid on him. And our transfer budget this summer was 50. We spent 18 on Ramsdale, 10 on Bogle and Lowe, 23 on Brewster. So, heading up around 50. A club of our size and stature with that budget cannot afford to spend 40 to 50% of your summer transfer budget on a player who cannot come in and affect the first team from minute one we, Man United can do it Chelsea can do it they can buy players for 15-20 million groom them for two or three years and build them in we can't what, if we're doing that we should be doing what Everton did to us with Calvert-Lewin and picking players up for a million a million and a half from third division and, and hoping that they come good because there's no risk to that we spend a million and a half on Gillingham, a Gillingham youngster Keep him for two or three years, loan him out a couple of times. If he turns out to be a Premier League player, great. If he doesn't, probably move him, move him on for half a million quid. Not really lost anything. So I think that's a, I think that's a massive flaw that we've, we've looked too far down the line. And I think this season especially, I think you, you're right what you say there, Ramsdale, how many 21-year-old keepers play in the Premier League? Very, very few. But we've spent Arthur's budget on one this season. Yeah. I think it'll come good eventually, but they don't like it at the minute. You've got, rightly say, Brewster and, and everything you've just said about him. Add to that, Ethan Ampadu, come to United, having only played 10 first-team professional football matches in his whole career. Yeah. And that kind of lack of experience, to me, all right, you can't take into account injury to O'Connell, injury to Sander Berger, and even Berger's only young. 
the contract situation with Lundstrom and everything else that's happened this season. But to be bringing that many players in with that little amount of experience is just, it's looking like a mistake. To to go back to what I was saying, I think when I say long-term, I'm not talking about buying players that will be good as the ones mentioned. So I said that, I was like, maybe different. I'm talking about players where you can actually make the transition. So, for example, we spent a good chunk of money on renewing players' contracts at the, maybe the end of their Premier League football career last season, whereas the players in the middle of their Premier League football career are either we didn't renew their contracts, but we certainly then didn't bring any in to be that, that player. And I think that is the whole package. We've almost gone for the youth because we did have an ageing squad, it's fair to say. We've gone for the youth, whereas I think you need to, sometimes it's a hard age to buy a player at, but you need to buy someone who's approaching the prime. So, for example, for half the price of Brewster, although he's not played, he's not even played in the championship, you've got somebody, like Dan mentioned, you could have gone for Ivan Tony and, and, and developed him into... The uh, into this in the team buying a player from Peterborough, you know, we could also send a couple of players back on loan and things like that. And he's obviously gone to Brentford and he's been scoring for fun this season. I, I think there probably is a recruitment strategy. I find the transition from January to the summer strange, and overall, it probably hasn't been good enough. But most of the players we've signed, we've been enthusiastic about when they've arrived, haven't we? Yeah. So back, back to that specific question, what's the recruitment been like since we came into the Premier League? So that's two. That's a season and a half's worth of signings. How many of those can we actually say have been a success? I would say in and out, most. That's only because we didn't actually spend that much on him and he scored half a dozen goals last season. To take other stuff aside, like his injury record and stuff like that, no... I'm struggling to think of another signing that you could say. If we take Henderson aside, because he was already there, a signing that we've made since we in the Premier League, you, you, you would say that's been a successful signing. Well, there's been flashes. Struggling. Flashes from Moose, as you say. Odd games from McBurney. Flashes in games from people like Osborne, who've proved to be like handy deputies. Thinking back to last season, mainly. But overall... Like flashes from Berger where you're like, wow, we've got a real player on his hands. Even flashes last season in games from Callum Robinson of actually creating chances, which got us results in games, as silly as it sounds. The, the Arsenal game uh, was on Twitter the other day. Is it like been, been a year or whatever? And Robinson creates creates that chance from Fleck by having a bit of flair, not to mention the McBurney goal against Man U. But overall, Dan, no, it's been, it's been poor, but it also... The last great signing Wilder made was McGoldrick. That was the last player that's really, you know, and and we were all saying, oh, it's his um, it's his reclamation project for this year, or whatever. But we've not and McGoldrick and Henderson that second season in the championship. Since then, I think you're really struggling to put together an argument for uh, any of them. I'd argue his last successful signing was Medin. I was just about to say. The same. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. But yeah, you're right. There's not been there's not been not been much that you'd, you'd actually you know you'd, you'd quite happily nail as a as a success. 
I think I think Phil's point's fair though. I think at the time we thought, yeah, that's that's worth the gamble at that. They just not worked out. You know, I don't think there was me- I don't think we had many dissenting voices when we've discussed some of those signings on this pod at the time. But well, it's just not worked out that way. I had a pig friend saying to me about Brewster, oh, he's the next Dominic Solanke, is this, that, and the other. And I went, well, he might be, but oh, as if you wouldn't be buzzing if you signed in England under 21 internationals off the champions. It's- I'll be honest, I've seen, from what I've seen of Brewster, I do think he'll come good. And I do think once he gets one goal, he'll go on to get more. And I think in a side, that, I think if, if we were a side that created chances, for example, if we, were, if we were Norwich last season, if you put Brewster in Norwich, Norwich's side last season, I think he'd, he'd score goals because they, you know, they, they created chances. They were shite at the back, but they created chances. But Any striker will struggle to score on this side because they're absolutely feeding on scraps. I, he reminds me of Defoe, the way he, he just likes, he gets shots off from like, it, like almost where you don't think there's anything on. Yeah. I'm very excited to watch him develop over the next. Um, over the next year or so, particularly if he's still here, but I imagine yeah, that's the thing. I hope we've still got him. Uh, but I, I, I'd love to see McBurney and Booster play. I've said it a few times. I think to, if they had a stretch running games together, them two, I think there's a lot of goals there. Cool. I think we'll move on unless anyone wants to say anything else. We'll move on to a question from our, a man who's trying to give um, Blade Mandeva a run for his money in the singing stakes. It's Travelling Blade. Um, and he asks us, Would you rather die now or live forever? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, my favourite Oasis song, Slide Away. Um, Ditto. It's uh, a great tune, but no, in all seriousness, I don't really sure what uh, Old Travelling Blade's on about there, but what I would say, like, if he wants to post songs on the internet singing like those blokes that turned out not to even be those blokes singing that was all over the internet last weekend... Like, good luck to him. Um, it's not my taste. I, don't, I didn't find it particularly anything other than a bit, well, whatever. Uh, but what I would like to say is, I know, like, you know, if someone's doing that on the internet, just let them get on with it. You don't need to say really mean things to them and call him old names under the sun because he's singing a song and ultimately trying to have a bit of a laugh. I am, I wouldn't go on the internet singing a song like that. So uh, if you want to do that, Travelling Blade, you crack on because uh, with your attitude to... And, and carefree approach. I'm sure you will live forever. I don't. I don't want to die now. I want to go to Bama Lane again before I die. I'm sure you'd all. Uh, all public. I only want to live forever if if I've not got to watch United this season for the rest of my life. <laughs> if, <laughs> I think that's so. the caveat that I live forever, but I just have to repeat this this season over and over again like some sort of nightmarish groundhog day. Then now you're all right. I think we'd all agree with that. Um, <clears throat> next question on a slightly more. Serious note from Niffa, eighteen eighty nine. Surely the club can look into possible help, possibly helping the team with getting a couple in on loan. So, club, we must be in a better state than, bef- when, than before Chris was involved. We can help him even at, with a risk of relegation. Two couple of wins, and you never know. I think loans has got to be the way forward. I think it'd be foolish of us to spend money now. We're almost certainly down. Generally, transfer windows in January. The money. The people go for more money than they're probably worth anyway. It's got to be loans, in my opinion. It's difficult to know where you pitch that loan, though, isn't it? That's yeah, of course it. it is, yeah. How many have we got? Is it one or two we've got available? One domestic. One, one domestic and then foreign. Right. Maybe, maybe a couple couple of, couple from 
maybe a couple from abroad and one from this country would be would be nice just to bolster the squad. But I just I think it'd be foolish to spend money now. But even Wilder's suggesting little movement at the minute, isn't he? So we might might think it's a nice idea just to and a good good way to get some players in the shop window either for us to see them and and look out for the summer or for the club loaning. But that that's that's the only way that I can see any benefit if he's got his eye on someone to buy at the end of the season and he can get him on six months loan now just have a look at him before like a try before you buy kind of thing. Yeah. I don't see any benefit in bringing you know Jesse Lingard's name is being thrown about again the last few days. To me, yes, as a player, he improves our first eleven instantly. Yeah, I think he does. I think you're right. But where does he? Who, whose place does Jesse Lingard take in our team? I'm, I would imagine Lundstrom's. Right. He's going to do that kind of breaking into the box late kind of role, isn't he? Um, and if we were, if we were three points, four points, five points, even from safety, I would say, yeah, bring someone in. We're too far adrift. You know, Jesse Lingard's not going to come in and turn us into a, uh, you know, a one win in two side, which is what we need to be to, to stay up. So I'm not sure how much point there is to it, to be honest. It wouldn't be cheap, would it? I I, I mean, uh, like Dali Ali, Jesse Lingard, a player like that coming in alone, it's all well and good, but you've got to get the ball to them. Uh, not that we've been linked with Delhi Alley. I'm just it, it'd be in, it, what I would like about if he doesn't come to us, and I'd pretty say anywhere. What I would like to see Lingard do, as I'd like to see Delhi Alley do, is I'd like them both to go and actually play some great football like they were three years ago when they were in that uh, team that very nearly won the World Cup, as we've seen with John Stones, and to a slightly lesser extent, Loftus Cheek in the Fulham side, uh, Fulham who actually look really good, annoyingly. Um, I'll be honest, if they don't come to us, I can't give a fuck what they do. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so next question. What do you think about Ollie Burke, Dan? <laughs> um, next question. I hope I don't look like him. I don't think I do. <laughs> next question comes from uh, Picard's Tours. It's a coach as a shit. It's a good job he's fit. Um, can you answer the age-old question of which you think is the maddest first, please? Was it one, the first person who decided to cook a chicken, or two, the first person who decided to do a backflip? Thanks. Cheers, Al. Cook a chicken? Yeah. Oh. Or do Just a black, backflip. Just checking. <laughs> I haven't got another follower, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, thanks, Al. Good, good to hear from you, pal. Um... I think probably cooking a chicken is probably more weird because people have done backflips by accident. You don't... And, and imagine the trial and error of cooking chicken before we actually achieve the culinary perfection which chicken is now. So Can you imagine I, the trial and error of doing a backflip and not... No, but you might slip on ice, Bill. I think you look at this all wrong. I think the first person to cook a chicken is an absolute trailblazer. Because what he's done is he's seen all his mates eating raw chicken and shitting through eye of a needle for five days and thought, there's got to be something wrong here. What about, there you go, jobs are good and I've invented, I've invented roast chicken. So he's actually, so, you know... He's, so the person that did a backflip first is the one that's the madman? Unless it was the guy that did the roast chicken and celebrated not giving himself dysentery by doing a backflip. Oh, and it was just like an impulsive reaction. Yeah. Oh. Chop, chop, chops, chops said it's definitely a backflip. Uh, Claire, Claire Bear said, what if it's the same person and they did a backflip whilst cooking a chicken? 
Ooh, what if we really die? <laughs> and the final comment on that is brilliant from Josh Timms said, it's neither. It's the person who first saw a chicken shit an egg out and decided to eat it. And on that note, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> one more question. Uh, there's one question which I think we're going to have to... I'm, I'm going to suggest that uh, we end this section here and we have instead of the Hall of Fame and we have a vote on it. I think that's a good idea. There's one other question that we, we, he'll, he'll moan as if we don't answer it. Chops, Chop Daddy, at Joe Chopper. What do you think our first 11 will look like next season? I'll be honest, I don't think any of us could predict that at the minute. Well, I was writing it down and then I got really upset and really felt really weird about what I was writing, so I stopped. This is a tough one, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because we, when we've, we've talked about, you know, a re, having a refresh and a bit of a bit of a clear out and a bit of a turnover in players, could be looking at eight new, potentially eight, you know, up to eight new players starting. Okay, so let, think think about, all right, so I think we're probably going to come on to a different question in a bit. We are, yeah. Who who out, who do you think is likely to be in our starting 11 next season? Who's currently there? Without giving up, picking the 1 to 11, who do you think will be there? Ramsdale. Agreed. Ogle. Probably, yeah. Brewster. Hopefully. McBurney. Probably. Norrington Davis. Yes, good shout. Osborne. Don't know. O'Connell. Just because of the injury. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think after that, the same for Berger, possibly. Yeah, I'm going to say you could if Berger's not going to be back until March time. I'm just saying Osborne, just because I can. I think he's on a deep. I think he's here for another three years, and I just. Did you see his tweet about his chihuahua shitting everywhere? By the way. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. What's that? Twitter more. I'll let John read it. I can't get it up. I'm on airplane mode. Because obviously being a social butterfly, I didn't want to interrupt the podcast. But basically, Chihuahua's got justice for Chihuahua's. I think we can let listeners have a find that one for themselves. I've found it. Shall I read it? Go for it. The government really needs to do something about this weather. My Chihuahua refuses to step outside in this, meaning she's getting fatter by the minute and she's hiding poos around the house. Hashtag justice for Chihuahua's. I'm a bit worried he's got a chihuahua, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm anyway. going to make a prediction, judging by some of his other social media activity, that Ben Osborne's other half has got a chihuahua, and Ben Osborne tolerates the fact. <laughs> chihuahua. I think, I think that is a suitable conclusion to the question answers, and we'll come back with one of the other questions for a final section in a bit. But thanks, thanks everyone who got in touch, and uh, hope you enjoyed listening to our. Uh, our musings and like I said just be nice to each other on the internet it's, a, it's hard at the minute just be kind okay, welcome back everyone to, to part four um Obviously, normally this is where we do the Hall of Fame, but we've decided to, to continue on the question theme because we've had a, a really good and really thought-provoking question from, from David Beden, who's obviously one of those as dead bat on Twitter. Um, so we wanted to kind of address this one and give it a section of its own. So we've his question is, uh, I've loved this team slash players and still do. 
but I accept it's time that some need to be moved on and have reached the end of their natural cycle. Each of you pick three, brackets, not Jags, Brian, etc. you know could, uh, that you could move on in the summer. Who would you choose? And he's followed that up with a second tweet. I know some may be fine back in the champ, but I'm thinking of longer term too, if we ever got back. He's put his three would be Norwood, Stevens and Moose. Sharp can stay as a bit part player. Maybe we give one each to save repetition. So we've, we've all kind of picked a player that we're going to make a case for moving on. Um, so, uh, Phil, you want to, uh, to put forward as your your option? So I think I think it'd be easy to just pick players that are not necessarily performing very well right now. But part of part of Debat's question there is thinking about the future um, and what we need, perhaps a slightly medium to longer term. And the one that I'm going to pick is sadly because I love him, Chris Basham. Um, there's been signs this season where he seems to be getting beaten in the air more than he ever has done. It's cost us goals, albeit he's still got that energy that he's always had and, and he gets forward like he's done ever since adopting the right centre-half position. I just think it, it comes to a point now where whether it's a change in formation that forces it or whether he's just needing to be replaced because of his age and, and he's only going to go one way, it's time now that Bauer gets put in the past, I think. So would, would that be actually moving on, as in out of the club, or would that be just he steps down and we bring in a, a younger, better replacement? I think having someone like that around the club can't be a bad thing, but I'd be really upset, well, not upset, I'd be disappointed if he's still our first choice right centre-half next season. If it means he has to move on and someone picks him up, then they're going to be getting a good servant for a period of time. I don't think he'll go anywhere. I think he'll finish his career at United personally, but thinking about the first team going forward, he's certainly somebody I'd be looking at replacing. And just looking at the contracts, I think his contract ends June 2022. So he's got another year after this year. I, I, I see a role for Basham around the club. Um, I think I see a role for him being a suitable backup and a quality of backup we're probably lacking at the minute. But I kind of agree with you. As much as his energies, athleticism has carried him through the last couple of seasons when we've always we've said it so many times we've written him off at the start of every season and said he's likely the one to be replaced I think it's coming to that point where we're starting to see the signs that he's struggling with it albeit at Premier League level and we probably won't be at Premier League level next season um, I think, I'm sorry Ian. and I was going to say the other the factor in that is if we change the formation next season does that work you know it works as, as part of that right side of the three I, I'm I'm hundred percent behind that, Phil. Uh, and it's not because he's been he's been one of the better performers, arguably, in some games this season. I think as well, if you're going to change things, you go after almost the biggest dog in the yard. If you you know you go to a new school and you fancy yourself a bit and you want to change things up, you have to take out the you know to sound like the wire you have to clear the block out or whatever you've got to we've got to look at some of the big stalwarts of the team and think that can't work anymore and you're not going to have a 34 year old overlapping centre back it, it, it won't go on forever and Bash is up there for me from this period with anyone like he's parallel in terms of his commitment and he was a very committed player remember in the Clough team he was a very committed player in an awful Adkins side 
He will go down as a club legend. He's a modern day cult hero. But I think I'd like to see a younger, more mobile, different type of defender play for us in the first team of the season. Yeah, like you say, it's hard to argue. Um, I mean, what we need to make clear here is, and and this has obviously been a bit of a trend, this by no means dilutes these players' uh, legacy for us and what they've done. This is just, we're talking about the future. It doesn't diminish what they've achieved for us and and the esteem we hold them in. It's just... Not at all. It's football. You just summed it up there, John. He's a a modern-day cult hero for, for the club, for what he's done. And we could sit here... And every week we could come on and we could talk about how great these players used to be and we still love them and we want them to be given another chance and things like that. But we've all been football fans for long enough and we're also realists enough. We're no experts, but we're realists enough to know that sometimes sentiment is nice, but in football it doesn't really have a place because I can't think of many times where sentiment works now just before we carry on I want some people will come back to this and say look at Norwich who were flying in the championship Norwich have actually added a striker for that level to score goals this season in Hugo who's been doing it and they're also their players Aaron's Ben Deer Cantwell etc etc all a lot younger than the players that we're talking about here that's the thing with Basham. If we, we are all hoping that if we are to go down, which looks like we will, we have a good tilt at going back up next season. Can you imagine if Chris Basham's still our right centre half this time next year, trying to tilt to get back up to the Premier League, then potentially going up into the Premier League with him still there. Oh, I just can't see it. He's thirty-three in the summer, you know, and that 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 I know it, footballers last longer these days, but for me, that that is the. Well, I would imagine this will possibly be a recurring theme for all four choices. The fact yeah. that we're looking, you know, if we're looking to get up next season, do we do a decent rebuild job now or do we stick with these players and then have to do a major rebuild job if we're, if we're potentially getting promoted at the end of next season? Then you're looking at having to replace all of them. So on that subject, uh, Ian, your, your choice of player? I'll be honest. I've changed my mind over the last few minutes a little bit, but I know I'm going to, I'll, I'll stick with the player I was planning on going with. Um, the play, I'll be honest, the player that came to mind in the last few minutes and, and just thinking about it is Mousse. His, his contract's up 2022. Made of biscuits. On his day, unplayable. Unfortunately, not, on, not having his day enough. But the player I actually had in mind prior to that and... I struggled. I struggled with this, and that's why I've probably had Musa crop into me because I'm still, I'm still struggling to actually to commit to it because it's John Fleck, and it's horrible seeing John Fleck at the minute, knowing what John Fleck's capable of, how he's driven us forward from midfield, surge forward. Even you know, part, you know, parts of last season we talked about is. Goals that he contributed pre-lockdown. That goal against Arsenal, which was anniversary, was you know this last week. You know one of my favourite moments of last season when he scored that and the whole pile on afterwards in front of us in the corner at the Emirates. You know, but ultimately he's just not been that player since he came back from injury. And you could argue is is he fit? Is there something off? He just looks off the boil. And I think when I look back to Sunday and I see Ollie Norwood rightly getting caned 
for his mistakes, for his dilatory performance on the ball. It kind of helped Fleck because actually it deflected from Fleck having another poor game in the midfield. Now, again, is he a player that might be suited to a drop down? Maybe. But then coming back up again, he's going to be 31 on the other side. If we're, again, if we're taking this long-term view of who do we want when we're to bring us back up and without having to do this wholesale change that we've just talked about. Um, yeah, I'm feeling quite sad talking about it, actually, because it, 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 it's not something I would have anticipated saying 12 months ago, 10 months ago. But it just something isn't right. What and it, isn't, and it, is, it, is, it obviously isn't working for United at the minute with him. There's something not right. One thing I would say about Flake and I'm not disagreeing with you, Ian, because this is all about refreshing things and to re- reinforce Dan's point, I don't think we're here slagging these players off what they've done for us or anything like that. That's not the point. We're just trying to do something a bit different. This time last year, Fleck was a player that would be in the discussion for playing at that, not going to a Champions League club, but being able to, he wouldn't be a player you'd consider replacing Hmm. he could go again he could improve still whereas I think some of the other players definitely Basham fits in this and I think certainly the, to an extent my choice does as well and Dan certainly does Player players playing at their absolute peak what shocks me about that I still had Fleck down as being only about 26 but he has been around for bloody ever hasn't he and he's yeah. like, in his 30s coming back up all I would say about Fleck is if he was to get fit and he fancied it, he'd be a real asset in that championship side. But for me, he's got to show it for the rest of this season in some way, shape or form. And my, and I'm, like I said, I mean, I'm really struggling with this because I mean, we could have, like I said, we, we, we could have easily gone for no, no one's the obvious one to talk about in the midfield, but we've, I think we've covered no enough already in the earlier conversations. But for me, like I say, his performances kind of mask a little bit of how far John Fleck's standards slipped. If he can get fitter and end the season stronger, then, yeah, I think there's a case. But at the minute, it, something just isn't clicking. Do you know, do you know um, not, that, not that long ago, John said something about some of these players that got us to where we are have earned a bit of respect. Yeah, from absolutely. And it bothers me the amount of stick and the vitriol that was directed at Oli Norwood this weekend. Oh, I was yeah. gutted. The way that he played, I was gutted to see him struggling like that. But some of the comments about him, some about a player that got us to this level, without him, we wouldn't have got there. Absolutely. I'm, I'm certain of that. Yeah. And to see him get that amount of stick, I just think was a little bit disrespectful. I'd hate for Fleck to be in that situation a year or two from now as well. Oh, yeah. But as well, Phil, what? and that's the worst thing about the minute. Because after Sunday, we would have scuttled on to uh, the pub and you would have said, I'm only having one. And then we would have had a three and then we would have complained about how bad it had been. And then we would have probably been separate from all that and, and, and you know, dealt with the game in his own way. And we're going over all ground here, but I it winds me up as well. It's the extremes of the criticism, like you say. And when before we signed 
Does everyone remember Lee Evans? For crying out loud. The, the football definition of a central midfield coward in terms of taking responsibility. Norwood, Norwood threw us up that league because he brought composure, technique, passing range, all the things that we'd lost with Coots and was a better player than Coots. And Coots was a great player for United, but Norwood, Oli Norwood is a better footballer than Paul Coots. And and then now almost, he, oh, it's, it's as bad as a performance I've seen. I'm like, oh. it, it's, it's, it's the level it's at. And, and I think that's the other thing in this. We forget where we are. And... And you watch 15 replays of every goal seen by the time. And I I don't want to say here, I'm sitting here saying that Flex crap. I'm not. No. I'm I'm looking forward. And I'm also thinking about how we managed, as you just alluded to, Coots, Duffy. My worry is that we end up refreshing the whole midfield here. And that's probably a reason to argue to keep Flex for another season because if he gets back... A a little bit of continuity in that. Yes. Yeah. But it, but, it, but it worries me at the minute and, and you know what I mean I'm, it, there's a lot worries me at the minute watching United and bothers me all that about mid, the, the midfield and, and not wanting to replace too much of it bearing in mind where we're at and we've talked about not necessarily wanting to spend much money on transfer fees would you go back to Lundstrom with more of an offer now knowing what we know <laughs> Not if we're going down, what are you going to offer him? Yeah, exactly. The offers, the offer would have to be right. This is your wage, but if we go down, which we're almost certainly going to, you're going to have to cut it by whatever 30, 40, 50 percent. I think obviously we're, we're less attractive now than we were when we started negotiations, aren't we? So see though. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think. Uh, I think if we could get John Lundstrom playing in anything like the form he showed at the start of last season. He'd be arguably the most effective box-to-box midfielder in the championship, uh, but I don't see that happening on a number of levels. I think, unfortunately, that ship sold and fair to Lundstrom. If, as the rumours are true, that Rangers want him and he can go up to Rangers and um, and you know be be a very very effective midfielder in that league and chip in with goals and win himself a couple of titles because it looks like that has been the the switch up there for the foreseeable future I didn't realise Tavernier or Tavernier I can never say it he's not only top for assists he's top goal scorer in the SPL (laughs) are you right back? he takes pens but still like what a mental season he's having Um, but I think Fleck Ian's a really interesting one and We've probably talked about it for nearly 10 minutes, which shows how it is. The only thing I'd say about Fleck, about you probably want some continuity, and with continuity, you want leadership. I don't think Fleck's got any leadership skills. I reckon he's someone who's grunt. Well, remember when we were in the cop though with him, Phil? I know he'd had a skin full, but he was just grunting. He didn't say anything. Like, I, I don't imagine him, bit like, compared to a Basham, would go around, you know, saying, oh, we don't do things, you know, if like some young lads come in, oh, we don't do things like that around here, come on, you, you've got to train hard or whatever. I don't imagine Flake being that person. That's yeah. Just, yeah, just, and there's nothing wrong with that because you don't need to have all leaders. I just think if you were going to hang your hopes on the guy to keep the midfield together, it's, it's you could end up with three brand new central midfielders next season. 
I mean, like I said, I know we obviously there's Berger to, to factor into that as well, isn't there? Talking continuity, whether he actually stays or goes. Season in the championship might do him good. I think Berger's probably flashy enough that we would get his money back off somebody, maybe not in the UK, but it's whether or not he wants to commit to the long term and things like that, because he does strike you as a level headed chap. But who knows? Um, so John Fleck as a as a as a as a question, which is I think no, I don't think anyone's got a definitive answer on yet. Fleck, yes or no, have they? That's the that's the thing he's he's really one that's going to divide opinion. Um John, who are you, who are you nominating as your uh, Well, I think I think like you said earlier, Dan, about Ferguson, one of my absolute like football heroes and one of the reasons being how ruthless he is. Uh, and it's a player I absolutely adore and I've stuck up for on this podcast many a times, particularly this season. And uh, my choice, mainly because I think somebody might have a might have a go at him, even in the Premier League, potentially, if they got promoted, and that would be Ender. Um, Irish international, he's been great. He's pretty much been ever-present for us for about three years. And so it's really weird to talk about him in these terms. Uh, and the big reason is we've got a young player and I know I spoke earlier about being conservative about like youngsters and stuff but in Reese Norrington Davis who was worshipped by Rochdale fans by Luton fans and even after a couple of games Stoke fans are talking about him as being absolute the dog bollocks um, I think you want to in the fullback positions we've seen how a change in personnel, even though defensively it's not necessarily right, but how positive Bogle has been just mixing it up, mixing up attacking patterns of play, just someone who can do something different. By From when I've watched him in friendlies and stuff, uh, Reese Norrington Davis looks an absolute athlete. All about power, all about athleticism. And I'd say they're things that, for all I love Endo, technically he's very good. I think he's I think before lockdown, he was the second best left back in the country after Robertson. And I also think as a fullback, there's not many better one-on-one defenders. Um, and that's why, I, unless this lad from Greece, Norwich, have got someone like Norwich, should they get promoted, might fancy him for the year or two years, thinking him as a more st- uh, steady player. But I would, I would, I would try to save some wages. On end. It's interesting as well because again, he's, he's twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four on his contract as well, so he would have to command a fee, or it'd be a loan to a Premier League club. It's a twenty twenty three, I think, and and like you say, I think a fee. He's a player who's got a value, but having said that, again, he's thirty one next summer. Mm. It's surprising. I think we forget sometimes. We seem to have got old as a side really quickly. And I know we haven't got old quickly, but we suddenly seem to have a lot of players who are the wrong side of 30. He's a shadow of himself, isn't he, Stevens? And then you said it's like players' legs going overnight down a couple of weeks ago. It's that kind of how it looks with Stevens, doesn't it? Fleck. Interesting. I mean, I do, wonder, I do wonder if Fleck might be a different midfielder with a different left side. I mean, he's, we've had the injury, we've had all that change at left back. You know, Lowe's been there, Osborne's been there, Stevens has been there. You know, there's been a lot of change in that position. So, you know, in some ways, that change might actually help one of the players we've talked about here in some ways. But I think as well, like, 
I put Fleck, Fleck and Stevens are players who've had these injuries and I talk about the transparency over injuries we don't know how serious they were and I don't think either have looked very fit for a long time like I'm talking since last lockdown uh, since first lockdown the break like I don't think either has looked particularly fit I just feel if you've got a youngster out in the championship playing well in the championship you've got to make that transition into the first team and become is the sort of he just everything about it to me makes sense, provided someone wants Stevens. Um, so on on that point and the reasoning that you're making that point, would Baldock be a good call for someone to move on and move on soon? Because we have got a replacement and he's still good commander fix. He's only twenty six. I think it, I think it's up up for debate. I think where you, your differences with Ender and Baldock. I think we've seen Baldock's performances steadily improve over the time in the Premier League, particularly defensively. Um, and yeah, he doesn't have that offensive like flair of someone like Bogle. Bogle seems to like to arrive late in the area, which is very Kieran Freeman. Uh, shout out, the book to him at Sweden. At Sweden. <laughs> but um, He's not Finnish, he's Scottish. <laughs> But in all in all seriousness, yeah, I think I think that could come into it, uh, Phil. But I'd say at the two, it'd be Ender, uh, and also with Bogle. I mean, I would ask how good he really is, considering we were all just desperate to see something new, and he did quite well in the game against Bristol. Nice. No disrespect to him, but you know, like he played playing Bristol Rovers away, and we and we did concede two goals, and he played a part of the defence in that game, and I know he did okay against Newcastle. But, you know. I, I think it's a fair shout. I think I think what we're picking up on the theme here at the minute is the players who we're seeing a deterioration in, and yes, the team's deteriorating full stop, but these are fundamental key players to how we've played for the last two three seasons. Sad, it's, it's sad but true. I feel really, this is really uh, this is a real um, quite sobering, isn't it? It's quite, quite sobering. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm, I'm probably Cheers, gonna bring, I'm probably going to bring everyone down a little bit further because um, I'm I'm going to advocate moving on the ultimate blades icon or ultimate modern day blades icon. Um, really short. Um, in my opinion. I think he probably should have been moved on at the end of last season, or he should have either he should have taken the decision, or the club mutually should have taken the decision to move him on. Because I think I don't think, and again, this this sounds disrespectful. He shouldn't be anywhere near our first team squad this season. So even in the championship next season, I know people will say he's a natural goal scorer, blah blah blah. But he's two years older than he was last time we played down there. But he's going to be two years older than last time. How old Sharp now? 30... 33? 35. 35 in February. Is he? 35 in February, so he's going to be... 35, 35 in, in three weeks. He's older. Two, two weeks, sorry. Yeah. He's 34 so, now, yeah. You know, you're looking, you're looking next season, he's going to be 36. Realistically, if we've... With, with the players we've got, even if we move, you know, move the likes and move Sayon... Um, He's going to. He's still going to be fifth, sixth choice in the championship side, and I think it's just a bit of a bit of an like bit of an ignominious end to a, a kind of illustrious blades career. Just to see, I'd rather him kind of 
I'd rather him have come out at the end of last season, probably taking lockdown out of it and, and kind of wave to all four sides of the ground and say, thanks for everything, boys. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go back to play for Donny Rovers for a couple of seasons. I just think it's... <laughs> I've seen a bit... Of, I mean, I've been guilty of it. I've seen a bit of criticism on on, uh, on Twitter because, you know, when he comes on... and Before, when he used to come on, you used to think, Sharp's coming on. We've got a chance here. All he needs is one chance. And he's just... He's not offering anything anymore in open play. He's put two penalties away this season. Great, fantastic. But he offers nothing. Um, and I know this sounds really harsh, but I just I think just don't see I just don't see a role for him next season, even in the championship. I think I think the right minded disagree with you. Too many players in front of him. There should be t- there should be players in front of him in the queue. The only the only no, I can't no. believe you've not said Ollie Burke, by the way. But I mean but that's just I mean that goes without saying, you know, I'd, I'd move him on tomorrow. This this was this was this was who we wanted to move on at the end of the season. I'm hoping someone buys Burke in the next nine days. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, like when you've got in in and I keep going back to this combination, but if you've got Brewster and McBurney who you've spent, if you're wild, a fifty million pounds on just shy of whether people think they were good enough or not you've got to give them a go to, to score you the goals and if you get the, the form that Bernie was in when he last played in the championship combined with the form Brewster was in when he last played in the championship you're looking at I would put money on I've said it before they score 40 plus between them I think they'd and so to, the idea and then you complement that with the McGoldrick as the experienced head to unlock a game that doesn't look like it's happening. And then I would personally like to see, as you touched on earlier, Dan, like a League Two, League One. Like I shared that goal, dinner from that Rochdale player who banged one in, who took on three players and smacked one in off at underside of Bar who was 17. I'm not saying him, but a player like that, I'd like to have a couple of those at that you can bring into games and things like that. Or maybe a Gary Medine-esque I just don't, I think Billy Sharp. I'd love it if he that Celtic rumor was true. If he could go up there and score a load of goals, or who knows, somebody in America because he could score goals in that division as well. I just to, how long will the Sharp have been here if he were under Adkins? So they said this, six years. Let's six Thanks. years, and look at somebody as well. Like so, think of somebody who's had. Probably a slightly better career than Sharp in like David Nugent, who always was going around scoring goals, went for a lot more money than Sharp throughout his career. He was about a similar age, he's gone to Preston and been a bit part player for the last two years and and not enjoyed his football. And I'd, I'd like to think if we're going to compete for a top six place next year, uh, Ian's daughter's just waved at us, which is a nice touch to the podcast. But, uh, you know, we, we'd have. I think we need to have more firepower and, and, and more different options. We need it's it's all about refreshing and reinventing. I, I just I just don't want to see Sharp play for us next season for the same reason that I didn't want to see Mike Tyson fight Roy Jones Jr. Just seeing someone who's been as good as they have and you've seen them at the peak of the powers and then seeing them as a kind of bit of a bit of a shadow of the former self. It's not. Kind of oh, like, nice. oh, now we're back to that. We don't want to yeah. do a kind of different scale. I think one of the things you said then, Dan, about um, 
could have gone at the end of last season. It would have been actually quite nice for him to have gone last January and actually had the chance to stay by. You know, a little bit like hindsight's a wonderful thing. No one knew what was coming, but a little like what Booker did was able to do. Yeah, they buy to the fans properly. It would have been yeah. lovely for Jart to have got that opportunity because he it it had been given an, a wonderful reception for what do you think that's what Do you think we got you got an extension with a view to thinking we'd be back? Yeah, well, maybe. Sent, no, sent, I mean we should talk about sentiment earlier, didn't we? And there shouldn't be room for sentiment, but it's crossed my mind. I'd like you to could use him off the bench and and then kind of that's that. Give him, his, give him his grand, grand, yeah. you know, his grand finale. His grand, you know, chair him off the pitch at the end of the last game of the season or whatever it is. If everyone's back, yeah. Well, that's. I think the ultimate idea would be the end of this season. We'd be finishing mid-table in the Premier League. It almost, you know, sounds daft. Sharp, like Sharp and Brewster have both scored in the last game of the season. Like the passing, like it's a bit romantic, but we've had enough romantic moments over the last four years to think like this. You know, like the passing of the torch, right? From one goal scorer to the next, we both scored today. Um, everyone would stay in the lane and clap him. And so, have you got a vision of of, of like Sharp taking Bruce up to the top of the South Stand and holding him up like Simba on Pride Mountain? <laughs> is that is that kind of what you're thinking? <laughs> I mean, I'm a romantic. Gary Sinclair queuing up the circle of life. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, well, get someone to do soundtrack from Sheffield. They're all pigs, all decent bands from Sheffield, unfortunately, aren't they? But um, yeah, I, don't, I, I think we all agree. And but again, like Ender Stevens, Billy Sharp, Chris Basham, John Fleck. To some extent, Moose had always had, Ian mentioned him, and, and all in all, we're all Sheffield United legends, aren't they? And this season won't stop that. And But we do need to refresh this team. Can I, can I just make a point on this? I think you're right, we're refresh. And that point is we, people are criticizing these players, and we're not, I, I, like we said, we're not criticizing these players today. These players are playing in the best league in the world, albeit you could argue at the minute it's. Football's not the same, but they played at the highest level for United and probably played at a higher standard against higher standard teams than any other players in our history. And I think that's the context that a lot of the fans forget when they want to launch into broadsides against these players. And we're not doing that today. What we're saying is actually the standards we've reached have have caught up. I think the fact you got quite emotional, Ian, it's, it's sad to talk about these players. Yeah. And, I, and feeling like we need to move them on to move forward as a football club, it is sad. They're almost they're almost victims of their own success, aren't they? They've moved the club on so quickly, and they've they've, they've almost played themselves into obsolescence. And we became we've all become mates during this period of time, haven't we? And it's yeah, but we'll be friends. One of us, which one of us is getting moved on first? Well, I don't know, Dan. It depends. We've got this uh, six foot four Scottish bloke who's really fast. He, uh, <laughs> sure what he can do exactly, but we feel he might offer something. Yeah. And, it, and being a Scottish bloke, he's got a broad range of swear words just to slot into your place perfectly. Exactly. <laughs> the problem is, if, if Ollie Burt was a podcaster, He'd have loads of notes before the pod started, and lose it, and then lose the ability to speak the instant the uh, the instant the record button was pressed. Whereas 
we have no notes and we really don't struggle with anything to say. (laughs) Boys, I absolutely was bedding this evening, but that has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I don't think it's right that we get people to vote on who they'd move on because... No, we don't, like you say, we don't want it to turn into a witch hunt, do we? Uh, it's, it's not really nice. And is it BBC iPlayer or through the red button we watch it on Saturday, don't we? It is, yeah. I think it's one of the two. Yeah, I've, I've seen red button the other day, so... So where do we... Who are we going to have commentating on the game, then? My money is on... As long as it's not Leandro, we're all winning, aren't we? <laughs> uh, I've, I, listen, he never comes out for any of the big games. There's every chance it'll be Lawrenson. I, re- I reckon it's Vicky Sparks. That's not that, but that's not the poor woman who's followed us, by the way. But um, <laughs> she's a maybe BBC she's, commentator. Maybe she's. Uh, maybe she'll follow us following this pod and Ian uh, trying to. Well. The only two people with the Twitter accounts on the phone are me and Ian, so uh, it's been a pleasure, boys, as I was before we got silly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching United on Saturday at three o'clock. That's not happened for too long, and we're probably going to win. So I'm looking forward to that. Still miss going, still miss going to the Sheaf and having a laugh with us all, with us all before the game, but. We just need to end it on as we always do, and we look forward to next week, hopefully, with the guest in tow. And we just say, up the blades. Up the blades. If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the pub on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me with that, well, I'd say Peroni as well.